Well, I have a fun tradition that I take part in this time of year where in the constant going back and forth from the heat of the day to just the pumping in of air conditioning, uh, somewhere I leave my voice behind for a little bit. And so sorry for you having to put up with uh, a slightly more limited voice today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make it a little bit more difficult for you to hang on every single one of my words, as, as you all normally do. <clears throat> but uh, grateful for this, this Sunday. It's, it's another one where we have uh, a bunch of staff members out, uh, but for a variety of good and uh, one that's, that's a little bit less good. I- excited that Justin, our uh, worship director, gets to be part of the Brazil trip that's going on. Please continue to be praying for him as he is uh, spreading the gospel there, as well as providing, uh, helping uh, provide real and tangible uh, aid that's down there. Uh, Angie's on vacation. Uh, Brody is recovering because he has come back from El Salvador, the trip that was going on there, and they couldn't get flights back because theirs was canceled. So he didn't get back uh, until last night, and so he is, he is uh, getting a very deserved recovery. Uh, so please be praying for his recovery there as well. So we are continuing our series together that we are calling Unsung Heroes. So uh, we want to be people of faith, people who are following after Jesus, living our lives for him. And what's beautiful is that we aren't left alone to do that. We have people around us, whether that's in this church, who are helping to spur us on to faith. But we also have countless stories of those who have gone before who have lived faithfully, not perfectly, but lived faithfully and how they leave behind an example for us of how we might live a life of faith as well. But we want to look at those characters or those individuals that we might have never heard of or maybe we don't remember as easily to help us see that our examples of faith, well, they truly are countless. Last week, we looked at the life of Dorcas, so -so called Tabitha, and how she was a woman who left a legacy of being fully devoted to good works and acts of charity. That was her legacy. But more than that, her legacy was one that helps us remember what our future is as well. It's a future that's set. It's a future that's full of life and restoration and wholeness for those who are following Jesus. Today we're going to look at the life of a man named Zachariah for a couple of reasons. First is he has a near-perfect name. And second, <laughs> got there, we got there. Second, is there so much in his life and his teaching that shapes our faith as well? There's quite a few Zacharias throughout the Bible. We, we could just as easily spend time on the father of John the Baptist that we hear about come Christmas. But I, I want to take us to the Old Testament to a prophet, a man named Zechariah, in the second to last book of the Old Testament. So as you're turning to Zechariah, if you want to follow along in, in the uh, Bible you brought or along with the screen, or we have Bibles available in the back if you don't have one, uh, as you're turning to Zechariah, I want to give us a little bit of a catch-up of what's been going on in the story to this point. So God has called a a people group to himself to be his uh, people, that he has a special relationship with, this nation of Israel. And through Israel, all people uh, uh, would see who God is, what he's doing through this nation, so that they might turn to him as well. And yet we see this nation Israel constantly put their faith in other things, whether that's in other gods or themselves or just pursuing after life as they see what's best. 
And throughout all of this, there is uh, this separation that comes from God, this punishment that comes from it, this pain that comes from being apart from this God who so loves them. So we see this cycle go on throughout the Old Testament. God, sh- God shows his love for this nation. They turn to other things, and they experience the punishment or the pain of being apart from him, and so God rescues them back to himself. And we see this cycle over and over and over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. But we get to a point where God is showing them that this cycle cannot be endless, that this is not sustainable for Israel to function in this way. And so God is actually going to allow his people, that he has this special relationship with, to go into exile, to be conquered, for the city to be burned and destroyed in, in so many ways. And, and the purpose of all of this is to show them that this is the result of you turning away from me, that, that this cycle is unsustainable, that uh, you are turning away from this God who loves you will leads you down this awful path. But God gives a wonderful promise in the midst of that, that after 70 years of being in exile, I will return you to the land. I will return you to this land that I have given you and and you can rebuild and you can worship me anew and you can see that I am truly your God and you will truly be my people. And as God keeps all of his promises, that's exactly what happened. Israel has come back after these 70 years. They're starting to rebuild, but there's murmurings. And those murmurings grow into shoutings at time of things don't seem like they were before. Things don't seem to be as good as we thought they would be. Things don't seem to be perfect, and I thought they might be perfect. And that's the situation that Zechariah speaks into. He faithfully reports what God tells him to do, even in the midst of this difficult time in Israel's history. Now, about this man, Zechariah, we, we actually know very little. And you would think a book that has his name on it, we, we would get to learn a lot about him. But we're, we're guessing a lot of his story. He seems to come from a, a line of priests, and, and God calls him to be a prophet there. But as we read through, there, there's little that's told about what Zachariah, is, what Zachariah is like or even what he's doing. Most of this book, these 14 chapters that make up the book of Zechariah, eight of them are his visions that he has, these dreams that God gives to him. So how encouraging is that, that we can be an example of faith even in our sleep? And I'm sure some of you might even give us that example in this very service. (laughs) So that is uh, the situation that Zachariah is speaking into. And and through all of this, uh, though we don't know much about him, we don't get to see much recorded of his life, I think there's two key ways that Zachariah is an example of faith to us. There's the example of his life, and then there's the message of his teaching. The example of his life, how he is faithful, he is constantly faithful in calling Israel to be faithful themselves, and then his message that faith leads to hope. So we're going to look at those two things. We'll look first at how Zechariah is faithful, then we will look at his message that faith leads to hope. So Zechariah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 says this. It says, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, saying, the Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. 
Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord of hosts. So uh, there's there's a couple things going on. Uh, First of all, there's a lot of repetition of the Lord of hosts. There's the reminder, this is who your God is. He is the one speaking to you. He is the same one that was forsaken before. And that's the point that Zechariah is making here. He's essentially saying, Israel, what will you put your faith in? Will you trust in this God? Will you follow him? Will you live your life for him? Or will you be like your ancestors, your fathers before you, who turned to other things, who turned away from this Lord of hosts and went into exile, who had pain and punishment before that? Will you be faithful to this God? And we talked about how Zechariah is an example of living faithfully because he is doing what God tells him to do in this. This is not a very kind message to start off with. Zechariah is told to go and tell his people, the Lord's angry with you, you messed up before, you were evil, turn and repent from that. That's not a very compelling or, or a way to win friends while you're doing that. And yet Zechariah walks into that position. He faithfully does this despite even recording how prophets were treated before. Verse 4 talks about how your ancestors ignored the prophets. They didn't listen. And yet the prophets, the teachers, those who were faithful to God, they were treated worse than that plenty of times. I took us back to the book of Hebrews last week, and I'm going to do it again as well. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see this recorded starting in verse 36. It says, Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and ghosts, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The author of Hebrews has talked about those who were faithful to God, those who did what God called them to do, and this was the result oftentimes. Pain, affliction, death. This is the situation that Zechariah goes and he gives this, this harsh message to. Turn away from your sin. Don't be like your ancestors who ignored what God said. Listen, obey. And he does so knowing that that is the history, knowing that this might be the outcome. And in fact, Matthew 23 tells us that this is exactly what happened to Zechariah. He was murdered for being faithful. And yet Zechariah faithfully goes and does what he is called to do. He is given this message. He could have shied away. And yet he went, even in the midst of this pain that prophets had gone through before, he faithfully calls Israel to be faithful. And his example of faith to us for that. But more so than just his life, his, his message that he gives, his message that faith leads to hope is one that is an example for us as well. His message that faith leads to hope helps us to live lives of faith as well. So I mentioned that, that Zechariah uh, consists of a variety of dreams that he has throughout uh, the first eight chapters. And, and one thing that I do want to say about these dreams is that they are weird. Uh, they, they're, in fact, very weird, we could say. But, but are they so different from the dreams that you and I might have? 
I mean, sure, Zechariah records this woman who's in a basket being carried to Babylon by two other women that have stork wings. That's, that's strange. But is that so different from maybe dreaming about being on a merry-go-round with your college roommate and whoever stays the longest uh, on that gets to be the Prince of Estonia? You know, hypothetically, that might be something that we dream about. So the, these dreams that we have, that they're bizarre, but, but they're, they're, they're dreams like you and I might have. But all the while in these dreams, God is showing some incredible truths. And we don't have time to go through all eight of these visions that Zechariah has. I just want to give a couple quick notes on them. Uh, the first, they are expertly arranged. Eight visions, each of them come in pairs. So the first and the eighth have parallels, the, the second and the seventh, the third and the sixth, and then we get to the center of them, the fourth and the fifth visions, which seem to be kind of the focus of that. Beyond just how they're arranged, the, the first three all kind of have the same message. God is faithful. God is with you, Israel. And then the last three of them get to this reminder of be faithful to this God who is with you, Israel. And you get to the fourth and the fifth visions, which focus on two key roles within, uh, within Israel, the high priest and the king, and how God is working through them. God has not cut them off. God is in the midst of them there. And so in all of these visions that, that Zechariah is receiving, it is going to that complaint that Israel has. Things are not what they ought to be. We thought things would be better than they are right now. Why, are, isn't, why aren't things the way that we thought they would be? And Zechariah's reminder is clear. God is working. God is faithful. God is with you. And so for this call to be faithful to this God, there's a command that's repeated over and over throughout these visions. And often when we think about the commands of God, it's these restrictive, don't do this, do this instead. And yet the command that's given more than anything else, the command that's given to Zechariah to give to Israel, to be faithful to this God, is so simple. Look. Look around you. Look at what God is doing. Israel, you think things are not the way that they ought to be. Well, look at what God is doing. Israel, you thought things would be different right now, but you're missing on the work that God is currently doing. Look, see, observe that God is active and working now. Israel thought that things ought to be different, but in doing so, they were missing the work that God was doing. And here we see that first part of Zechariah's message. Faith leads to hope. Israel was feeling so hopeless, and they were able to see, Zechariah's pointing them to have faith that leads to hope because God is working. God is working. Faith leads to hope because God is working. This was the encouragement to Israel in the midst of the pain that they're experiencing. Look and see what God is doing. And for us as well as a church, this is a way for us to have hope. This is for us to have faith that leads to hope as well. We want to look around and see what God is doing. We, we've said this countless times before, that one of the things that we need to be about as a church is telling the stories of what God has done and what God is currently doing. It's why we have these, these stories that we tell of what God has done in Kids Week before so that we can have hope for what God might do in this upcoming Kids Week. It's why every staff meeting that we have here on this campus, we start with the question of what is God doing? Because if we're to plan ahead, 
We need to be reminded of what God is currently doing now. It's the only way that we can hope for the work that's to come. Israel was feeling this pain. They were wondering what is going wrong, and yet they were missing out on something so important that this command was given to them. Look, because faith leads to hope, because God is working. Later on, we get to a a different part of the book of Zechariah in uh, chapter 7. So the people still seem to have questions. They still seem to be wondering, why aren't things the way that we thought that they were? How are we supposed to respond to this God? And this is what we see in Zechariah 7, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Asherazar and uh, Regim uh, Melech and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord, saying to the priest in the house of the Lord of prophets. All right, a lot of names, a lot of dates right there, but just get to this question that we're seeing. Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I've done for so many years? So these people come to Zechariah, and essentially the question is this. We've had this fast. We've had this time of mourning because Israel, uh, because Jerusalem was conquered, the temple was destroyed. Should I keep doing that? Uh, Zechariah, you gave us these visions about how faith leads to hope because God is working. We have that. Temp- uh, the temple's uh, construction is being done. Walls are being built. We're coming back to this land. Should we continue to weep and mourn and fast as we have done so before? That, that's this question that is asked of them. Uh, and we get a response that is a little bit tough to understand, so we'll work through it together. Look at verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me and said, Say to all the people of the land and the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? So essentially what we have here, the, this question of can, <coughs> can we return to how things were before? Can we put this morning behind us? Can we look ahead to this glorious future? Can we have hope here? And Zechariah calls them out and says, when you were doing these things, was it truly for God? Were you putting your faith in him? Or were you looking the part of being religious and yet not actually putting your faith into this God. It, what Zechariah is calling them to is not necessarily to right behavior, but to putting their faith into him. Because here's what we see here. There's faith that leads to hope because God is working, but there's faith that leads to hope because God will continue to work. You want things to go back to how they were? Well, the only way that that is possible is for God's work to continue here. And and we turn the page from Zechariah 7, and we see a glorious picture of hope that comes from continuing to put your faith into this God. You were wondering, can things go back to how they were? Well, the picture that's given to you, Israel, is if you put your faith in this God, it will surpass anything that you could imagine. Uh, Look at Zechariah 8. Uh, verses four through eight. These are, these are perhaps my favorite words in this entire book. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with a staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. 
This is the Lord of hopes. If marvelous in the sight of the remnant of the people in those days. If this looks like something good to God's people, well, should it not also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. This question of can we go back to how things were? Do we need to keep mourning? Do we need to keep doing these things? Well, the question is, were you truly doing these for God? Because if you put your faith in him, it's not going back to how things were. It is going to something that is even greater, that people will live to such great age that they will need staff and hand to support themselves, that, that new people will be born, that there is a time of rejoicing. It's hard to play in the streets if you are at war that this future that is at hand for Israel where he will bring people to himself or he will save them with this often repeated promise of I will be their God and they will be my people, something that Israel constantly fell short of. Well, that is at hand. That is the hope Israel can have because of the fact that God is still working. But then the book takes a little bit of a turn. We no longer have the dates of when Zechariah is talking in fact, it seems like it's much later on in life to where Israel has gone back to their old ways. They put their faith in other things than God. And so Zechariah turns to look in the future. We get to Zechariah chapter 9, 9, where there is a report of the king of Israel coming into Jerusalem, not in militant uh, garb, but actually riding on a donkey. In chapter 10, it, it talks about it, kind of a, a parable way of, of the leaders leading God's people astray, and so God is going to come himself to his people to make things right. There's, there's another parable in chapter 11 where uh, Zechariah plays the part of a shepherd for the people, but he's rejected in his role, and he's paid off with 30 silver coins. In chapter 12, we have this reminder that ultimately that the Lord will bring salvation for all people. If we are familiar with the story of the passion of Jesus, the, uh, the events leading up to his death, well, it shouldn't come as a shock that Zechariah is the most quoted Old Testament book in that section because this is where we see that hope. There's hope because the Lord is working. There's hope because uh, he continues to work and there is hope because he will make all things right. Something that we only truly realize when we see Jesus coming, Jesus breaking that cycle of forgiveness and rejection and pain and forgiveness and rejection and pain. That cycle truly gets broken by Jesus faithfully going to the cross. And the picture that Zechariah paints in, in uh, chapter 14 is that future hope of making all things right. Zechariah 14, verses 6 through 9 says this. He says, And on that day when things are all made right, there will be no light or cold or frost, and there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but in evening time there shall be light. And on that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half to the eastern sea and half to the western sea, 
and there shall continue in summer as in winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth, and the Lord will be one, and his name one. There's a lot of symbolism here, and I just want to point out a couple pieces, but this is the certain and set future of those who put their faith in God, who those who find their hope in him, that God will make all things right, that this is a picture of perfect, all-encompassing provision, that water, living water, flowing out of a desert city like Jerusalem, flowing out, providing provision, this need so much so in the desert, but it is coming in abundance from the east to the west in summer and in winter. There's this uh, a type of uh, use of language in, in uh, Hebrew at this time called a merism, where it's two extremes meant to symbolize all of it. So we, we often use the heavens and the earth. This is meant to describe all of creation, all that exists. And so the same thing here from the eastern shore to the western shore, it isn't just those two points. It is meant to encapsulate everywhere. This provision is going to everywhere. In summer and in winter, it isn't just those two dates. It is meant at all times. This is God's complete provision to his people. Restoration made possible because the sun has come. And 14 ends by saying people from the ends of the earth, whether in Israel or not, will come to rejoice in the Lord. And the ultimate truth there, that the Lord will be king over all the earth. Zechariah gives us so much of uh, this example of faith both in his life, faithfully doing what God has called him to do, but his message is centered about what faith produces. Hope. Hope because God is working. Hope because God will continue to work. And hope because he will make all things right. This is our source of hope as well as a church that we want to tell these stories, that we might miss what God is doing around us, that our eyes might be filled by the pain and devastation of this world. And so we need to be storytellers of what God is doing because our need for the reminders of God's faithful work, that's a need for us because we can so get filled by these other things. We need to tell stories of God's work because our need to be reminded of them is so repetitious as well. We need to be people who are uh, looking forward to what God will do because of the truth that God is working now. It helps us to look forward to what God will do next. So we as a church, we, we plan events. We, we want people to be impacted by the gospel. We want to reach Thornton and the surrounding communities because we have seen God working now and we are excited to see what he will do next. We, we have these events, these plans in place. We dream big dreams because we know God will continue to work. That passage, Zechariah chapter 8, this was the old men and women with staffs, kids playing in the streets. That is my hope for us as a church as well, that we are people so shaped by God's work inside of us. We are people so faithful in following after him, not perfectly, but faithful, that we are leaving behind that legacy of faith. I'm so grateful for Calvary for doing this for the last 133 years, but for this to continue we have to continue to put our faith in him. 
that for us to be a church where people can grow up impacted by what Jesus has done to the point where they are growing so old, for, for new people to be coming, for kids to be born up in here, to be shaped by Jesus, for them to be playing, not in the street because that's dangerous, but throughout this entire campus, for that to happen, this faith must continue for us to have hope that God will continue to work when he continue to put our faith into him. And ultimately for us to be reminded that God will make all things right. That this is a world that's so marked by pain and fallenness. And where is it that we can find hope? Well, it's in the certainty that he will make all things right. That chaos and destruction and pain will be things that we reminisce about until they are entirely forgotten. Zechariah gives us this example of faith, faith from his life of doing what God calls him to do, but this reminder in this world that is so full of despair, the thing that counteracts that is hope, and that's what faith produces, and the certainty that God is working now, that he will continue to work, and that he will make all things right until we get to the day that we rejoice for and long for the fact that he will be king over all the earth. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful for this example of this man, Zechariah. Though we know little about him, we know little about what he's done, we see that he is a man of faith, that he follows after you even to the point of death, that he does what you call him to do even in the midst of opposition And he also gives us this message that faith leads to hope. Help us to be people shaped by this hope. That as we are living for you, that we too have something to long for, something to dream about. And that is because you are working now in this church, in places that we don't even see around this globe, you are working with your church and through them. And because of that, we can have hope and certainty that you will continue to work. That the work you are doing now is just a part. But you will continue to bring people to to yourself. You will continue to bring a, a restoration and peace and joy until the day that we get to its ultimate fulfillment. When you make all things new. In perfect fulfillment, living water, bringing restoration and life to all places as you make all things right. Help us in the midst of this world that can feel so hopeless at times to spur each other on to faith because it's through faith that we have hope. See you and you alone we pray.